0: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast.
1: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Wednesday, October 7, 2020, and we're now in the fourth quarter. Earnings reports will start soon. You know, the, for the third quarter earnings numbers for corporations to come out—they trickle out at the first week, which is this week—and they build up. More and more reports by a third week, we got a ton of reports coming out. So we're uh, we're looking forward to that. We'll see how that turns out. Looking back from today's vantage point to where we were a year ago, knowing how the economy was booming then and aware of how the markets were reacting, it certainly has been a wild ride. For us investors, I'm not right now. Less than one month from election day, the political uncertainty is contributing to market dynamics. And there's another debate tonight, vice president debate, but there's another one. COVID nineteen, the coming election, geopolitical tensions all cause uncertainty, and you know what that means? That uncertainty fuels market volatility. So you got to be prepared for it. There's going to be continuing volatility. Just learn. This is a really good learning period. Learn to compensate for it, to understand that this is volatility. It's not necessarily bad. It's not necessarily good. It's just up and down, up and down, and try to relax through it. I'm Steve Peasley, and today in this program and podcast, I'll do my best to provide unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions. This is a call-in show. I know you want some strategies, you want some help with stocks, I know all that. So any kind of questions financially are welcome. The number is 888-99-CHART. So how'd the market do today? It was up. Remember, it was down pretty big yesterday, well up, was pretty big up today. Dow was up 533 points, the Nasdaq up 210, and the S&P 58. So you can see just these last two days, lots of volatility. So I, I just think it's just going to continue. I'm going to talk about a couple things. I would like to talk about the ISM service number that came out for September, maybe a word or two on the national debt. And I go through some of the restaurant chains that have filed for bankruptcy. Some of them I don't know. Some of them are pretty famous. So those things, if we can get to them, we're going to talk to them. So what do you guys want to talk about? So let's go ahead and get started with uh, you know, our calls. I mean, you can call anytime you want. You can leave messages, leave questions overnight, anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And here's a call that came in earlier.
2: Hey, Steve and Justin. just want to say thank you for the show. Love it. I'm Zach from Florida. I had a question about AutoZone, ticker symbol AZO. Had a recent pullback. The valuation looks pretty good. I was just wondering what you think about it. I was looking to get into it. All right. Thank you.
1: Okay, AZO, everybody, AutoZone Inc., headquarters in Memphis, Tennessee, operates six thousand four hundred and eleven retail auto parts store in the US, Mexico, Puerto Rico, Brazil, offering automotive parts. So it's a big company, twenty six point six billion dollars in size. Okay, so it's it's big. It's really big. Uh they have no they don't pay a dividend, haven't paid a dividend. But they're going to make, it's a $1,139 stock, and it's going to make $82.68 next year. Let's just round off. $82 next year, or $83 next year. They make, they're make they going to make $74 this year and $71 last year. And every year so far, even through COVID, their earnings per share has increased. And even though they had no growth in the May quarter, the most recent quarter, of 14% growth. So it's a really strong company. It's hitting a lot of resistance around twelve hundred and fifty dollars a share. That was its old high made last December, and made that high in September before that. We've had this correction, and now it's eleven thirty nine. It was down big yesterday, but today it made up a little, a ter- little bit of that. So you're hitting a lot of resistance. I think I would not be a buyer at this point until it breaks above eleven fifty. I might be a buyer at eleven hundred, thirty nine more dollars down because that's the two hundred day moving average and it seems to want to hold that. So there there's where I'd be a buyer. I think it's a great company. I mean, return you know, the the, the, the cash flow is ninety dollars a share. Funds own fifty three percent, and funds have been the owners of the company have funds have been pretty steady for the last year. So I do like the company, I really do. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and the long, hot summer of 2020 is now history. Thank God, it finally cooled off today here in Southern California. We're in the fourth quarter. There's still plenty of volatility. So, investors, the need to remain vigilant is essential. You've got to watch what's going on. That doesn't necessarily mean you react to fear or greed. You don't react to that. But you have to be understanding what is going on with your company, the economy, the stocks, all that stuff. So maybe we should talk about it more your participation is important part of the mix we're taking your calls live 888-99-CHART
3: you
4: are listening to invest talk what a difference a year makes a pandemic financial shutdown and market volatility you've got finance and investment questions and Steve Peasley is here now, taking your calls live. Invest Talk, 99 chart.
2: Hey there, Steve and Justin. This is Scott calling from the Bay Area. I'm just calling my go-to guys for uh, info for myself as a beginner. Came across an interesting term a friend of mine shared with about something called a drip dividend reinvestment plan. Went as far as looking it up online. Got a little info. But still, would love to hear your guys' input as far as what these are, how one would invest in one, and what the pros and cons of a DRIP are, dividend reinvestment plan, and if that's something that you can go through, say, an online broker like ETrade or Scottrade, and set yourself up with this dividend reinvestment plan. Uh, again, looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Keep up the great work, guys. I uh, listen to you guys uh, every day. Thanks again. Bye-bye.
1: Okay, dividend dividend reinvestment plan. You usually buy those. You buy them directly from the company. You do it. You do it with big companies. That, you don't do it with small companies. First of all, they don't do it because you know they don't have an investment department. But you buy it, and what they you buy the stocks from the company direct, and they reinvest the dividends into your holdings. So you're constantly reinvesting in the dividends therefore it's got to be a big company that pays dividends steady dividends you want companies that are extremely stable in paying dividends and this way you grow a portfolio and that' be one of your car holdings I, I like the idea I don't have a problem with that at all but these are kinds of plans that you stay with forever you don't you know for 10 20 30 years these are not kinds of things well I'll just stay for a year and get out or two years now it's too it's it's cumbersome. Whereas you go to through a broker and buy a stock, it's not cumbersome. It's easy to buy and sell. It doesn't cost any money to buy and sell anymore. By the way, I, no one's ever asked me, but I don't, I don't know if that's a good idea, that there's no cost. Not that I think you, we should pay for things, but it's making it awful easy for people to get in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, and not know what they're doing. That tends to lose money. When it used to cost you $100 to make a trade, you stayed with the company because it was a cost of money, a lot of money to sell it. And I remember my first trade cost me 250 bucks. was in 1970, uh, 1971. <laughs> so, and I didn't buy very many shares. I had under $1,000. So think how much that cost on a percentage base. My focus point today concerns a story about a new stimulus package which seems to be falling on hard times, right? Uh, would it produce a sustained market rally? Well, one analyst, a couple of analysts, think that maybe it wouldn't. Why? Usually, stimulus packages come when the economy's on its back, the stock market's it's on its back. So a stimulus would spark a rally. We don't have a stock market on its back. We have a small correction going on, but not on its back. So there's a theory that if it's, you know, it's already expensive, still, there's expensive. So how can a stimulus make it more expensive by making stocks go up without the earnings yet? Well, got to remember, everything is forward-looking. I think a stimulus package would be beneficial to the stock market in the long run. It would. I'm worried about the debt, but I do think it will provide stimulus to the market. To the market. So I don't know if I agree with the article, that it may not produce any kind of long-term event uh, uh, benefits, and okay, maybe I can agree with that. But long-term meaning what? Two, three, four years? I'm thinking just next year. I think it's going to boost next year's stock market price, especially if we get you know COVID under control with either a vaccine or treatments or whatever. Then I think we're we're going to have a big rally if we can get to that point. So, but that's what their point is. They're saying, well, you know, the market's not low. It's high, correct. Uh, we're, you know, the economy is weak, correct. So, if the stock market's already high on a weak economy, how, it's gonna be difficult to push higher. And my, my answer to that is, well, the perception is the economy is gonna do better, earnings are gonna go, keep growing strong, so people will still continue to invest. And there's no other alternative. Where else is money going to go? Bonds with the interest rate so low, no. So you know where's where it going to go? Money pushes stocks, so they're going to do a stimulus package. And people making more money in their four hundred one k's and everything else, they're going to keep putting it in. I think. I think it's going to. I don't think this this uh, analyst, his cohorts are right. Remember, I've always told you, most experts. It's just a matter of degree. Rarely do you get somebody who's pretty consistent. If you ever do, latch on to him or her. because That's rare. But let's keep things moving. Here comes another caller question from our Voice Bank, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve or
2: Justin. This is Joe from Greenville, South Carolina. Love the show. I'm calling in about AT&T, and it's really a two-part question. I, I purchased some shares of AT&T today, but when I went to purchase them, I noticed that on my TD Ameritrade account you can change the price I think for example is it like 2832 but I could change it down to like 2825 so does that just mean that whenever the stock price goes down to 2825 that's when it'll initiate that purchase and I saw it had an expiration of a day so I'm assuming if it doesn't reach it in a day then that times out and you don't um, execute that trade. And also, what do you think about the stock AT and T at this point? Thank you guys. Love the show, and I will listen for your answer on your podcast. Thanks.
1: I like AT and i I've mentioned it before. I like AT and T. It pays a seven point two percent dividend. That's why I like it. I don't expect it to go up in price very much. The high thirties, the high twenties, back to high thirties, and that's about it. Now. You're talking about putting in an order. You're talking about what's called a limit order. There's different kind of orders to put in in buying a stock. A market order means, hey, I want to buy 100 shares of at and at the market, whatever the price is going right now. But when you put a limit order, you're putting in a specific price that you want. So that stock has to go to that price, okay, go to that price for it to trigger the order that actually happened. Now, it can go to that price and yours doesn't get triggered. That's possible depending on the volume, depending on how many buyers are at what price, around that price of yours. But generally, an ATT stock would be triggered instantly at that price because it's so liquid. But that's called a limit order. And you had it good till uh, for one day. There are also limit orders or orders good till canceled. The order stays there until you cancel the order. But most most people are familiar with the order, good for one day. So that's what you did, a limit order. Try to learn the different kinds of orders there are. Okay, on the next Invest talk amid a pandemic, three things you should know about telemedicine. Have you guys, I've, I've done that for the first time. I'm going to do that for the first time. So I'll let you know how it goes. The cost of a virtual health visit. That's what this is about. And what insurance covers and all those things. That story is tomorrow, by the way. For now, I'm Steve Peasland. I'm ready to take your questions live Eight 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 ninety nine 888 99 Chart. What
0: are the dangers of short selling? Can anybody do it? Or what's your question? Why not ask it now at 888 99 Chart on Invest Talk?
4: This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve
2: and Justin. This is Eric calling from Los Angeles. I'm calling about... Uh, retirement funds, Roth, IRA, 401K, 403B. I have all of those. And um, I actually have a a majority of it in Vanguard, um, and that's where I have one old 401K. But I also have a 403B annuity with Nationwide and another one, a 401K with Fidelity. Is there any advantage of me to consolidate all of that into what I found is I prefer Vanguard and have it all at Vanguard. Otherwise, I, I heard there was an advantage of keeping the 403Bs and the 401Ks to where they are for uh, legal purposes, maybe they're protected a little more. So other than convenience, is there an advantage for me to uh, move everything to Vanguard right now? I look forward to hearing your answer, thanks.
1: Okay. Um- for legal protections, I don't think that's correct. Uh, 401K is either, you know, a 401K over here is a, has the same legal protections as a 401K over there. So if you have an old 401K and a new 401K, I always think it's smart to roll over the old 401K and IRA, which has the same legal protections, and start your IRA because you have a lot more choices as far as investments. But you can roll your old 401k into your new 401k and the advantage is usually there's less fees involved. There is an annual fee for retirement accounts that they charge and it's not huge. It's usually 100 bucks or less. But if every one every 401k or retirement account you had usually there is an annual fee. I'm very familiar with IRAs, not as familiar with the 401k. It depends on your worker, your your employer. Uh, but I would consolidate them. One of the biggest advantages is keeping your money focused so you don't lose track of all these different spots where you have money. And Vanguard's a good fund family. They're the least expensive out there, which is the reason why I say they're a good fund family. They're inexpensive, the mutual funds that they have. Personally, if you're big enough, I would want you to own a group of you know, stocks who start really your own mutual fund of stocks. Up to you. Um, ISM report for service service uh, sector. Remember, ISM has two parts. Okay, it has service and manufacturing. Services in the United States is much more important to our economy than manufacturing. So the service report for September came in at fifty-seven point eight from fifty-six point nine. It's almost up a one whole point. Anything above fifty. Anything above 50 is an expansion of the economy. Anything below is contraction. That's the interpretation. Okay, now this is also four months in a row of expansion. But be very careful. How, does it, how do they compile this ISM report? What they do is they ask questions of the CEO. It's a survey. And the question is pretty simple. Are things better this month than they were last month? Yes or no? Now there's other kind of questions, but that's the basic focus. Is things are things for your industry, your company better or worse than last month? And that's what they do they do I ask a lot of people, right? So you can't you can't extrapolate this number being above fifty. Oh the economy's doing great. No. It's only the difference between one point to the next point. So you can be very low, and now you're just not as low, economically speaking, or your orders were 100 you know, before COVID. Now they're 50 last month, but this month they're 60. Things improved. But you're still way down from 100. You see, so you can't get a sense of the economy, overall economy, with the ISM numbers. They only give you a sense of direction, which is important, but they give you a sense of direction. improving or not improving? Okay, so that's the ISM. Manufacturers the same way, but you really want to focus on service sector in our Okay, here are some developments that illustrate how difficult the economy can be, even as it is recovering. Shell oil, shell oil is cutting jobs, 9,000 of them. After another tough quarter, Shell has had to cut its dividend for the first time since World War II. Since World War II. That worries me about other big companies like ExxonMobil, Chevron. Are they going to cut their dividends? Because that's one of the reasons people buy them. One of the reasons I own them, the dividend. Movie theaters are having a very difficult time. I heard that one of the big, big theaters might close. Cineworld Group, Owner Regal, Regal Entertainment, the second largest movie theater chain, and the uses closing all its locations nationwide. It just opened not that long ago. Now they're reclosing. So everyone wants to hit a home run with their stocks, right? Stock picks. For most investors, this is probably not realistic and just not. Nevertheless, it is possible. Okay, so here's my trivia question. Okay. Uh, which are the most expensive stocks in the world? Which are the most expensive stocks in the world? I'll have the answer after the break. But before now, my phone hotlines ta- are open. And I encourage you to ask questions. 888 99
0: Now is a good time to call InvestTalk.
2: I had a question on my 401k.
0: We're here for you. What's your question? 888-99-CHART is how to reach Steve right now on InvestTalk.
3: Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay. Why? listen and think in your new language rosetta stone is an amazing value so your special skill set is within easy reach you know you want to do this so don't put off learning that language there's no better time than right now to get started for a very limited time invest talk listeners can get rosetta stone's lifetime membership for 50 percent off visit rosettastone.com today that's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. you are listening to Invest Talk Every
4: Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888-99-CHART.
1: Okay, before the break, I gave you a trivia question. Everyone wants to hit a home run with their stock prices, stock picks. For most investors, it's you know, pretty difficult, not necessarily a realistic objective. Nevertheless, it's always fun and tempting to think about. So just for fun, what are the most expensive stocks in the world? Now, when I say expensive, I'm talking about price, not relationships to earnings and sales, just the price of the stock. So in the modern world, almost everyone is familiar with the concept of a stock or share in a company. For example, if you buy a share at ninety dollars per share today, and the price rises to one hundred thirty-five dollars a year from now, your profit is forty-five dollars, and that's exactly fifty percent of your invested funds. So you earn when the share price goes up. So, with that said, which are the most expensive stocks in the world? Number one, Berkshire Hathaway. E R K dot A Berkshire Hathaway, three hundred eighteen thousand and fifty dollars per share. That is this morning's New York Stock Exchange. The company is known for its famous permanent owner, an American investor and entertainer Warren Buffett, entered entrepreneur Warren Buffett, and his headquarters is in Omaha, Nebraska. Okay, lent and sprung, sprungly. I don't know how to say that, by the way. Uh, AG, $80,300 as of today, or yeah, today. It is a chocolatier, lintz, L-I-N-D-T, the chocolates are the round balls of chocolates that you see you can buy. There is a Swiss chocolate company specializing in confectionery and chocolate production. It also owns a chain of branded stores and cafes, where the 410 of them will buy. And the company was founded in 1836 in Zurich, Zurich, Switzerland. Third, NVR Incorporated, $4,157.61 a share that was this morning. NVR Incorporated, an American home building and mortgage company. The company has built houses for more than 365,000 customers in 15 U.S. states since it was established. Some of its brand names include Ryan Homes, Weimark Homes, Heartland Homes. Amazon, $3,177.97 a share this morning. Now, at this point, just about everybody, everyone is familiar with it who, and what Amazon does, right? We know that. The company was established in 1994 by Jeff Bezos. Amazon is headquartered in Seattle, Washington. So the list I found actually has 10 companies on it. If you send me an email request, I'll send you a link to the entire story. There's no reason to slow down, so let's go straight back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank This question came in from Kentucky.
2: Hello there, Mike in Louisville. I'm looking to add some value stocks, long term dividend producers to my retirement portfolio. I'm retired, I'm 67. And the one I'm looking at is 3M, MMM, 3M. They pay a 3.6 plus dividend, but I just want to know A, secure, B, when would be a good time to get in it?
0: Uh, C isn't
2: a good look for me to get into. Thank you very much. You take care out here.
1: Okay, 3M, MMM, uh, provides industrial tapes, adhesives, medical and office produ- products, surveillance and communication products. Uh, 3M, they're going to make eight thirty eight hundred thirty eight dollars 30 a share this year. They'll make $9.17 a sh- next year. So they're going to go down 9% this year, then back up 10% next year. Sales are kind of low and sporadic, but remember, it's a $96 billion company. Huge. They pay a 3.5% dividend, and they're cash flow is $12. So uh, if it's paying three and it's $166 stock, so they're paying three, three, uh, uh, three and a half percent of, of $9 and 17 cents. Let me get out Mr. Calculator, $9 and 17 cents times 3.5%. So that they have no problems making that dividend. Okay. Uh, they're only paying about 35% payout ratio. We'd, we'd like you to buy stocks at under 60. So they can easily increase their dividend if they wish to. The negative there is they have a little more debt than I'm comfortable with. But 3M, you know, is such a big, stable company, you don't have any worry about that dividend. It's very safe. Okay, very safe. That's 3M. m MMM is the symbol there. Eight 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 ninety nine chart 888-992-4278. Okay, I want to mention something about the national debt. No one is still talking. Not no one's talking about the debt, right? National debt. No one. I mentioned this a year ago that no one was talking about the national debt. So even after the before the COVID, and then after COVID, of course, no one's talking about the debt. They just keep doing it. So what is how much is our national debt? Well. You can, I can express it in dollars. Okay, it's 19.5 trillion dollars. Okay, but is that a lot of money? Well, yeah, trillion. But is it a lot of money to compare when you compare it to the size of our economy? Our economy is about 23 trillion dollars in size. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, our economy is 19.5, and our debt is 23 trillion. So it's about 107 plus percent of GDP. That's the way it is most makes the most sense. Because it's like, think of yourself. You earn a certain amount a year and you take on debt. Well, how much of debt is a lot of debt for you? Same thing with a country. Earns a certain amount a year, how much debt? And 100% or more is a lot of debt. Japan got up to over 200%. So it's a lot of debt lot of debt so it doesn't matter how you look at it should we it's going to cause consequences anybody in their right mind looking at this will say well there's going to be some consequences of this debt at some point most people think including myself that consequence will be inflation today maybe not for six months maybe not for a year but the consequence of increasing debt is inflation. And no one is concerned with it at all. No politician, investors, no one is cares about it. When's the last time you saw anybody, saw an article on it or heard anybody talk about it? They don't. They don't think it's a problem. Now, you as an investor, you have to look forward. Now, this is really looking forward, way out there. Okay, we're talking year, two years, three years out. When is inflation going to start showing up? Okay, and not during COVID, not until we're past COVID, that's for sure. But all this debt we're putting on, will have a consequence. It is Wednesday, October 7th, and I'm here to take your financial and investment questions live right now at 888-99-CHART. In the meantime, let's grab another Voice Bank question, this time from Arizona.
2: Hi, this is Nate from Arizona. I'm looking at copper exposure to add to a post-election infrastructure play. Wanted to get your thoughts on ticker SCCO, that's Southern Copper.
1: And I'll listen to your answer on the podcast. Thank you. Okay. Southern Copper Corporation, uh, SCCO, engaged in the mining in, uh, of copper and operates different, mining, different mines around the, around the country, also in Peru and Mexico. And they do smelting as well and refining. It is a $36 billion company. It's big. They're gonna make them they're gonna make $2.14 next year, which will be the most they've ever made in the last ten years. Per share. $2.14. That's the estimate. This year they're gonna make $1.51. Last year they made $1.92. So it took some took it in the shorts. And I think it is probably a good play. Uh, I do think it all depends on COVID, doesn't it? It all depends on how bad are we going to have a second wave, how bad is the second wave going to be, how about the therapeutics and the vaccine. So long-term, they pay a 3.4% dividend. Long-term, I think is probably a good play, but it's not cheap. I mean, it's a $47 stock, going to make $2.14, so you're talking about 20 PE. Okay, that's not cheap. When it gets down, the lowest PE has about 14 in the last five years. The highest of forty-two, so it's kind of in the middle of the pack, And that that sense. So, and right now it's having trouble getting above forty-eight. I wait till it build. It's got to break above forty-eight, or do test the low or something? and I don't know if I buy it right here. Just don't think I would. SCCO Southern Copper Corporation. It is Wednesday, October seventh, and I'm here ready to take your financial investment questions live right now. At eight 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 ninety nine chart, okay. So I'm Steve Pisa. You're listening to Invest Talk, and you are not alone. As you might assume, the greatest number of our listeners are here in the United States. And after U.S., we have a big following in Canada and the United Kingdom. Appreciate that. However, it's interesting to note that we attract an audience all over the world. For example, since April, Invest Talk listeners in Australia have given us 69,600 downloads. Germany, Australia, Australia, 69,000. Germany, 36,000. Singapore, 34,000. China and Japan combined, 50,000. And there's others. Argentina, for example, has 1,500 downloads. I mean, it's all over the world. So this proves that the desire to achieve financial freedom is universal. Everybody wants it. But Justin and I want to thank you for downloading our Invest Talk show. We appreciate it. And also for telling your family and friends about us and about the free Investing in Financial podcast. Please keep those calls and questions and emails coming. We appreciate it greatly. And of course, remember our website, investtalk.com, has a good number of resources available to assist your goal of building a solid financial future, achieve that financial freedom goal we all want don't i want it also you know there's a risk a questionnaire to gauge how much risk you're comfortable with and we'll help you define your risk we'll help you define that but you got to start off with that risk questionnaire try to get your comfort zone that's where we want and, you're, and when you're investing how much best sleep at night you got to be comfortable so what is that how much investment should i have and of course you're always welcome to call our kpp financial office in irvine california we will help you. We, will want, we want to help you. For now, our phone lines are open. Call 888-99-CHART.
4: This is Invest Talk. Good news. Steve and Justin have recorded another rapid-fire hour podcast. They take caller questions at a faster pace, but you still get their unbiased answers. In this special bonus show podcast, you'll hear responses to 34 finance and investment questions. The theme of the program concerns market processes, best practices for investors, and explanations of various terms and investment opportunities. So tell your friends, search Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, or InvestTalk.com for the free August Rapid Fire Hour. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Talk, made possible by KPP Financial.
1: 99 Chart. Let's talk to uh, Mike. Is that Mike? Mike. Yes, it's and, Mike from Hercules. Steve. Hey, how are you doing? Thank you for the call. I appreciate that. You want to talk about Repligen? Repligen, Repligen. Yes. Yeah. Repligen Corporation. What would you like to know?
4: Well, you know they—they—you um, know—you—you'd uh, mentioned the stock a few months ago to viewers and. They just came out with some COVID-related products that are in stage, two. Just wondering what you
1: think. Well, the company made a new 52-week high today. It's really interesting. It was around, what, about $110 before COVID hit. Went all the way down to 85 which wasn't that much. And from that bottom, which was less than a two-week period, it's done nothing but go up. It had another correction from... 140 down to 119 or so. Now it's 165. This company is on fire. Developed consumable bioprocessing products for life science companies. It's an $8.6 billion company. Not quite a large cap, but a a larger medium cap company. Their earnings are going up. Their sales are 25% or more per quarter growth. Debt is very low. Return equity is not great at six percent. It's not the best. They have hardly, you know, they, that that's a that's a concern of mine. But they're spending a good amount of money on research and development, and it's paying off for them. So I like the company a lot, and it broke up a new fifty-two week high. I did that three days ago, and I I wouldn't buy it here. Uh, I uh, Mike, I, I think I'd wait for a pullback because it's just what you could do. Remember, it's already running. You could buy half your position because it could continue to run. I don't know. But I think you would like to see, I'd like to see a pullback. If the whole market pulls back and this pulls back with it, then I'd be a buyer. It's a little bit overbought, right? So I don't like to buy overbought stocks. I I like to be a little patient. And that that has hurt me in the past. Trust me, it has. Every once in a while, I shouldn't have been patient. I should have just jumped in. But I do like where they are. I do like, I do like what they're doing, uh, and it's a strong company. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Okay, let's go to uh, Jim in Sunnyvale. How are you doing, Jim?
2: I'm doing good. How are you doing, Steve?
1: I'm great, and I do really appreciate listening and calling. Um, so my
3: question,
2: uh, Steve, is uh, just based on your experience on uh, owning and trading stocks, um, what are some of your suggestions on when to sell a stock, um, do you have, huh? uh, yeah, so that's kind of like, I, I've, I've had some stocks in the past, and I feel sometimes I sell them too early, or um, might sell them too late, Just, do you have any guidance for me on that? Sure,
1: selling is a lot harder than buying, have you noticed that, Jim? Selling is a lot harder yes. than buying. Okay, I'm going to have to take a break, but I'll pick this up right after the break, okay, because I think it's important for everybody else. Uh, What are some selling rules that you can use? Okay, appreciate it. This is InvestTalk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here, to help you achieve financial freedom. And our work will continue after this break. So get your questions in now, 888-99-CHART.
4: Investor Wednesday, and we've all seen the market move up, down, and all around. It's called volatility, and you'll have investment and finance questions for Steve and Justin. They welcome your calls now. Invest Talk 888-99-CHART.
1: Okay, so Jim called before the break and asked a question about selling. How do you know when to sell a stock? Buying is an easier thing in my mind than selling. Selling is much more difficult. Okay, there are certain rules that you can put in place for yourself. One is, write down why you bought the stock first, okay? And when you first buy the stock, write down why you're buying this stock. Then as the stock moves up and down, you just keep an eye on it. Look at the reasons that you bought it. And when those reasons or some of those reasons no longer apply, that's when you can sell the stock. Also, you sell a stock to rebalance a portfolio, and you usually do that at least once a year. Maybe a stock read really bad or really good, and the bad one you might if it still has all the things that you wrote down and it still has and it's selling you lost a lot of money, you may consider buying more. But be very careful of that. Make sure it has those things. If it's gone high and really high up, you then might follow up follow it with a stop. You know, meaning that you might write a, draw a trend line and say, oh, okay, it breaks below this upward trend line, it's breaks down from on that trend line, maybe I'll sell. Maybe half the positions or two thirds of the positions. You sell when the, a CEO is indicted. Okay? So if there's a legally, legal problem with the top of the company, your stock's probably already fallen, but you might as well get out because. I have noticed that once there's bad news is out like that, it usually gets worse. So I would get out. Uh, You sell if a competitor comes in with a better widget or there's a whole different dynamic to the products that the company you own changes and other companies make better or more or more efficient or cheaper or better, you know, whatever. You just got it. That means you got to keep track of the competitors and and the product your company sells. So there's all those other kinds of things. Those are some of the reasons to sell. Okay, we do know that the COVID shutdowns has really did a did a did a number on on restaurants, and it still is. But I'm going to give you a list of uh, chains, restaurant chains that have filed for bankruptcy. Filed for bankruptcy. Some of them I don't know. For instance, the first one on this list food first make a uh, who has a chain called Bravo Bravo uh, Brio chains Bravo and Brio chains now I know Bravo Bravo fresh is went down the street from me I think that's what it is another one bamboo man called bamboo have you ever heard of that maybe some of you have they make uh, uh, they have a chain called bamboo and another chain called quick fish NPC you know this one NPC Pizza Hut and Wendy's. California Pizza Kitchen, all MPC filed, their parent filed for bankruptcy. Okay. Ruby Tuesday, pretty big chain. Soup Plantation, Chuck E. Cheese, and Sizzler, all filed bankruptcies. Now, these are probably most of them are are Chapter 11. Remember, there's two kinds of bankruptcy. There might be more than two of them. There's two main types of bankruptcy. Chapter 11 is called reorganization where they they have lots of debt and they can't pay the debt because they don't have any income because they, you shut down all their stores. So that's reorganization, meaning that they have to figure out a way to pay the debtors and try to make everybody happy. And usually the stockholders are the ones who get nothing. Okay, that's chapter 11. Chapter 7 is they liquidate all the assets and... Whoever's first in line, the bondholders get the money first. Then the stockholders are last. If there's any money left, generally speaking, there's not any money left. The bondholders only get a portion. That's generally what happens. So remember, there's two, two types of bankruptcies here in the United States that we generally deal with. Most Almost every one of these is Chapter 11. They're going to reorganize. I mean, I know for a fact Pizza Hut, Wendy's, California, Pizza, they're doing fine before COVID. That's the facts. I'm Steve Peasley. This completes another Invest Talk program. I'll uh, return on Friday with highlights from the newest KPP Premium newsletter. In the meantime, please tell your friends and family members that they can choose from over 100 archived Invest Talk podcasts free. They're all free downloads. You can do it at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and investtalk.com. And remember, we also stream the program live each weekday at 4 o'clock hour Pacific time. Just go to investtalk.com and you can listen to us live. Independent thinking shares success. This is Talk. Good night, everybody. Because
0: of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically.